Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday the 19th of March. I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week our team comprises of engineer Duncan Wynne and we welcome new reader Jim Norris and with me also is Sally Rowe. Clerical work has been done by Carol Hartle and her team. And copying, I guess we'll do later. Our thought for the day is from Keir Eldis and music from Sheila Joins. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some emergency telephone numbers. What's on in the local theatres? Well, that's an issue at the moment, more later. We'll have, at the very end of the tape, um, recording after the music has finished, the obituaries and thought for the week. And we'll open the birthday book. Do tell us yours if we don't have it already. We'll then have the past week's headlines, sunrise and sunset times. The stories of interest from the past week will then follow. The service is quite free to users. It is a registered charity. If, however, anyone does wish to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS, here in Worcester, WR5 1DA. And there are two donations recently received, and I'm sorry I don't have your names with me, but thank you very much. That's very kind of you both, and for your lovely comments. We do like to hear from you if you have any suggestions for improvement. Add a message to your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone 01905 767766. But please remember, we're not here every day, so please be patient and leave a message. Now, I do have a few notices. Um, I'm sure you're aware by now of this coronavirus, which has um, altered life considerably. We will try to continue to produce recordings as long as possible. But as many of our volunteers are over 70, not all, um, but many are, (laughs) or have uh, perhaps underlying health issues, there may be insufficient people to continue. So we will try to keep going as long as we can, but I apologise in advance if we are unable to continue in the present climate. And I do know that Pershaw Talking News has already discontinued their service. Judith, Doherty and Janet Goodman are in isolation and I've already welcomed Jim. So, what's on? Well, in a word, nothing. All theatres, churches and other events have been cancelled until further notice. If you have booked to attend an event, it would probably be wise to ring first. And Jim will give you the telephone numbers again, just in case. When everything has settled down, I can give you news of a new restaurant which has printed a menu in Braille. It's called Francini and is located in what was the Paul Pry pub, which is on the corner of Infirmary Walk and the Butts. And it probably isn't wise to uh, go there at the moment, Um, But it does look uh, a very interesting Italian menu. 
Um, many pubs and restaurants are starting to provide meal deliveries. Um, we do have a couple of stories about those. So I would suggest listen to our local radio station, BBC Hereford and Worcester. And um, if there is a pub or a restaurant near you who is um, going to do meals that uh, can be sent to you at home, um, then you can make contact with them. I'm going to hand over to Jim now to give you the useful telephone numbers. Thank you. Our telephone number here in Wars Lane is 01905 767766. Worcester Live's number is 01905 611 427. Malvern Theatres is closed, but the number is 01684 8922. Double seven. The police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers number is 0800 555 Worcester Hubs number is 01905 765 765. The Norbury Theatre number is 01905 770 154. The NHS direct number is 111. And for out of hours medical assistance between 6 and 8 pm, it is 0300 123321. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to ask Sally if she will open the birthday book and follow that with the headlines from the past week, please. Thank you. Yes, well, um, we have two birthdays uh, this next week. On the 27th is Janet Mitra and on the 28th, Barbara Robery. So I hope you both have um, happy birthdays. Happy birthdays. Yeah. And the headlines for this last week. Uh, the first is guilty. Murder is, is facing life in prison. Second, three men in court for attempted murder. County virus case treble in two days. I'm prepared but fearful. Boris has sold pubs out, says landlord. And city's virus patients isolation unit prepared. And sunrise is 6.10pm and sunset is 6.21. Sorry. Thank you, Sally. And so with the first of the headline stories is Jim. Thank you. A dangerous man was found guilty of the cold and brutal murder of his elderly great-uncle in the disabled pensioner's bungalow. Adam Mason faces an inevitable life sentence after he was found guilty of the murder of 80-year-old Desmond Wooding in his Droitwich home following a three-week trial at Worcester Crown Court. Angry scenes erupted at court when the 33-year-old of Plough Lane, Tiberton, was convicted of murder by majority decision, 10-2, of the jury. His uncle, Mark Mason, 55, also of Plough Lane, Tiberton, was also found guilty by majority decision, 10-2, of assisting an offender after he drove Adam Mason from Vine Lane, Vines Lane, Droitwich, after the murder on June 23rd, last year. Before the verdicts were announced, Judge Robert Jukes, QC, had appealed for calm in the public gallery while security cards arrived 
to help maintain order. Cries, shrieks, shouts and swearing erupted from the public gallery and later sobbing could be heard as the jury returned guilty verdicts after 10 hours and 48 minutes of deliberations taking place over three days. The deadlock jury had been given a majority direction after it became clear that the panel of six men and six women was unlikely to reach unanimous verdicts. Flanked by custody officers, neither Adam Mason nor Mark Mason appeared to show any emotion in the dock as the guilty verdicts were announced by the female foreman shortly after 2.30pm. The court had previously heard how Mr Wooding was stabbed 11 times in the lounge of his bungalow in Vines Lane. One of the wounds was 8 centimetres deep, piercing Mr Wooding's heart and lungs. The motive for the murder was said by the prosecution to be the way Mr Wooding had treated his late wife, Maureen, when she had cancer. Maureen was the sister of Colin Mason, Adam Mason's grandfather. Colin Mason had laughed when he heard of Mr Wooding's death and said it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, the prosecution case being that the Mason family hated him. Adam Mason, a former soldier and groundsman, was identified on the CCTV at the Gardener's Arms pub and walking back and forth along Vines Lane with his dog, Savvy, at around the time of the murder. The prosecution case, led by Adrian Keeling QC, had been that Adam Mason had carried out the murder in a 20-minute period after he left the pub at 8.42pm. No forensic evidence linking Mason to the killing was found in the bungalow. However, DNA, that was 430,000 times more likely to belong to Mr Wooding than anyone else, was found on a dog lead seized by police. Mason claimed that he had not seen Mr Wooding for 16 years and had not even known he lived in Vines Lane until he had read press reports about the murder. A knife, believed to be the murder weapon, was missing from Mr Wooding's cutlery drawer and has never been found. The polo shirt and trainers Adam Mason was seen wearing on the CCTV footage have also never been found, the inference drawn by the prosecution being that he disposed of them in the wake of the murder. A pair of jeans were found by the police which Mason claimed were the ones he was seen wearing in the CCTV. Tests showed no forensic link on the jeans to the murder. However, the police did not accept that these jeans were the same pair Adam Mason had been wearing on the day of the murder. The mobile phone Adam Mason used to call his uncle for a lift has also never been found. The defendant saying in interview that he may have left it on the plane when he flew out to Tenerife two days after the murder. When he returned from the holiday, Adam Mason was arrested on suspicion of the murder at Birmingham Airport. When told he was suspected of the murder of Mr Wooding, he answered, Who? Judge Jukes thanked the jury and said, For the offence of murder, the sentence is automatically one of life imprisonment. Adam Mason had been drinking in the gardener's arms, telling a jury in the witness box he had drunk 13 or 14 pints of Thatcher's Hayes cider and two or three double JDs and Cokes that day. Sentencing was adjourned until Wednesday, March 25th. Both men were remanded in custody. Angry scenes continued in the foyer of the court. 
Speaking after the verdict, Detective Inspector Mark Walters of the Western Mercia Police Major Investigation Unit said, This was a cold and brutal crime for which Adam Mason has never shown any remorse. Sadly, we may never know exactly what happened in the moments leading up to this horrific attack on an elderly and vulnerable man. However, today's verdict from the jury makes it clear that Adam Mason was the person responsible for inflicting the fatal wounds to Mr Wooding. Adam Mason is clearly a dangerous individual and his conviction today will ensure he faces the justice which the nature of this crime merits. Where most people in our communities would have immediately reported this shocking crime to the police, Mark Mason did everything he could to assist his nephew to cover his tracks and prevent him from being detected. However, Adam Mason's father, Martin Jones, speaking outside court, said there was no evidence and the whole case was a stitch-up. He added, he's an innocent man, it's a farce. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is a miscarriage of justice. It was a massively weak case. He denied there was any feud and said no DNA from either his son or his dog Savvy were found in Mr Wooding's bungalow. Mr Jones denied any family feud with Mr Wooding and said his son did not match the description of a gaunt man seen outside the pensioner's home, his son having been 17 stone at the time. Mr Jones also said his son had not been picked up by this witness in a later identification procedure. Three men have appeared in court charged with the attempted murder of two police officers after a shot was fired with intent to danger life in Worcester. The three defendants all appeared separately in the dock at Kidderminster Magistrates Court on 13th of March. We've previously reported how a shot was fired at a police car in Blackpool Road. There was a crash, the road was closed and armed police attended the scene. Kyle Riley, 21, of no fixed address, Gerard Doherty, 20, of Oxford Road, Wrighton on Dinsmore, Warwickshire, and Kieran Irvin, 19, of no fixed address, are jointly charged with the attempted murder of two police officers, PC Simon Dam and PC James Rimmer. They are further charged with possession of a firearm with intent to danger life, possession of a firearm without a certificate, and possession of an offensive weapon, a machete, in a public place. Riley alone faces charges of dangerous driving and driving while disqualified. At around noon on Tuesday, a car was said to have failed to stop for officers, which led to a pursuit along the A449 onto Blackpool Road, before it crashed into two stationary cars. The case was prosecuted by Shafquat Rayaz, who described the offences as a serious matter involving the discharge of a weapon in a public place. None of the defendants entered pleas and magistrates declined jurisdiction for the case. The case will next be heard at Worcester Crown Court for a plea and trial preparation. Hearing at 10am on April the 6th, all three defendants were remanded in custody. Four more Worcestershire residents were confirmed to have COVID-19 or coronavirus, bringing the county's total of confirmed cases up to six, and this was actually on Monday the 16th. The latest numbers show the amount of county people known to have the virus has trebled in two days. Public Health England 
Worcestershire County Council and the local NHS said they were working closely together to respond to the situation. The latest county figures come as the Department of Health said a further 14 UK patients who tested positive for the coronavirus had died, bringing the death toll in the UK to 35. There had been a total of 1,372 positive cases for coronavirus in the UK as of 9am on Sunday, up from 1,140 at the same time on Saturday. The council said they would not give further details of the Worcestershire cases to protect patient confidentiality. Dr Catherine Corbain, Director of Public Health for Worcestershire, said... I'd like to reassure people that we are working with health partners at a county, regional and national level to do everything we can to stop the virus spreading and ensure the people of Worcestershire are protected. It's really important that everyone follows the latest guidance about staying at home if you show even the slightest symptoms of coronavirus. For most people who get the virus, it will be a mild infection but we all have a role to play in protecting the most vulnerable people in society. Good hygiene is the best prevention, and there are some simple steps you can take to protect you and your family by washing your hands regularly and thoroughly, and if you cough, or sneeze actually, cover your mouth and nose with a tissue and dispose of it immediately. The chairman of Worcestershire County Council has spoken of his fears as over-70s face a prolonged period of self-isolation in a bid to protect them from coronavirus. Peter Tomlinson, aged 76, said he and his wife, Ali, were prepared but fearful of what the next few months might hold. And he urged his fellow over-70-year-olds to take any coronavirus self-isolation seriously to protect themselves. Health Secretary Matt Hancock said on Sunday that within weeks anyone over the age of 70 will be told to stay at home for up to four months as part of the government's effort to tackle the COVID-19 outbreak. At the age of 76, Councillor Tomlinson falls into that category and he said his wife Ali is also one of those at risk as not only is she 72 but she's currently having chemotherapy as she battles cancer. Councillor Tomlinson said, We are obviously very concerned, especially as I'm on tablets and my wife is especially vulnerable. We are conscious of the fact that at any moment now, the government will issue the decree that those over 70 have to self-isolate. You have to take it very seriously. We had booked a little break away, and if we were able, we are still going to take that, but it is changing all the time. We haven't stockpiled or prepared. We are fortunate our family will be able to help us and our neighbours check in on us regularly. Councillor Tomlinson said he would follow the advice to stay at his Ombersley home until August and will encourage and expect others to do the same when the government presses ahead with the plan. We are not going to panic though, just do the sensible thing, he said. Councillor Tomlinson is supporting Worcester News' campaign to support the elderly in our community. He said, We have had so many differences in recent years, such as Brexit. Now is a chance to forget those, come together as a community and help others to get through this. 
Every cloud does have a silver lining, so despite the tragedies, some families will experience with people passing away before their time. And who knows, that could be us. What we will have at the end of it all will be a closer community spirit. That is something I wish for. Caroline Abrahams from Age UK said, Many people will be deeply shocked about the four-month quarantine. But if the science is clear that it's what is necessary to save many older people's lives, then it must be the right thing to do. We will all need to step up and help older people get through it in what is going to be several months of real national emergency. Some older people can rely on great support from their families, but not everyone is so lucky, so we're going to need to put some infrastructure in place, and fast, to help them get through. Meanwhile, the government and BBC have agreed to delay the end of the free TV licence for over 75s until August the 1st. In a joint statement, they said that they recognised the exceptional circumstances and did not want anyone to be worried about any potential change at this time. A publican has said the industry is being sold down the river and fears he could go under if people continue to be told by the government not to go into pubs. Mark Daniels, who runs the Brewer's Arms in St John's, said he is angry that the Prime Minister made the statement but has not shut has not shut them officially to give the pub industry a chance to survive by claiming on the insurance. On Monday, in the first of the government's new daily briefings, Boris Johnson issued new guidance telling people to avoid pubs as part of the attempt to tackle coronavirus spreading. But Mark Daniels, who runs the pub with his wife Debbie, said the policy was confusing and was already starting to have a massive impact on his business. Mr Daniels said... How can an 18-year-old not go into a pub but can walk into college with hundreds there? We are, success we are a successfully run pub. We've been here 12 years. I fear for others more than us. We are still getting the regulars in, but there is uncertainty. Not many people and businesses in this city could last three months without any income. I would prefer them just to close. That would give us a chance to claim on insurance. At the moment, I'm paying rent, paying Sky, and there's no sport on. And I've got bills to pay, a mortgage to pay. The government has to help small businesses because we're all going to be affected by this. If it stays like this, I fear we will go under. Angela Freeman, who runs the Bell Inn in St John's, said it would continue to open until the government told them to close. We have increased hygiene here. We are disinfecting everything doing everything we can to protect ourselves and our customers. We've got to do what we can to get through this. It doesn't hit us yet. Our daytime trade was has over 70s, the age group that is set to be told to stay at home. A few have told me they're considering. At the moment, we're still open. We are taking precautions. Colin Robinson, the landlord of Chestnut Tree Inn, said... We will keep opening until we are told to close. If they told us we have to close, we can claim insurance. Turnover is down in the last three weeks. It has been reduced by a third. It is a worrying time, but you have to carry on. It is a very serious situation, but we are still going and keep people happy. And the final headline story, and I'm afraid it is more about the virus and there will be even more during uh, this recording. 
Health chiefs have confirmed a city community hospital is earmarked as a coronavirus isolation facility. Worcester City Inpatient Unit in Timberdine Close has been chosen as there are many individual rooms to segregate each patient, preventing further contamination. A spokesman for Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust said, We are looking across our estate to support the community. Patients who are not well enough to stay at home but do not need hospital treatment will be able to rehabilitate at the site. As part of recovery, segregation needs to take place to stop the virus spreading further. We need to ensure patients in the acute hospital with COVID-19 symptoms are supported to recover in the most appropriate place. Across the healthcare system, we are working up local plans to enable this to happen, which includes using the Worcester City Inpatient Unit, one of our local community hospitals, to provide step-down care for people who are feeling better and no longer require acute care, but need a bit more support before they can be discharged home. The spokesman added that at present... There are no plans to use other community hospitals as coronavirus isolation areas. The move is hoped to increase patient capacity for other illnesses at acute hospitals in the region. A spokesman for Worcestershire County Council said, Our priority throughout this very fast-moving situation is to protect our residents and our staff and keep them safe and well. Working from home is well established for staff at the council and that will continue. But we have a number of frontline services which need staff to continue to come into our buildings to deliver. Worcester City Mayor Aladitta said, We must listen to the experts. They are working in the interests of our community. I understand people are panicking, but we must be cautious. Everyone needs to listen to the latest advice. Councillor John Smith, Cabinet Member for Health and Wellbeing at the County Council, added It's really important that everyone follows the latest guidance about staying at home if you show even the slightest symptoms of coronavirus. Our web page is constantly being updated to reflect the new guidance being issued regularly by central government. Anyone showing symptoms is being told to self-isolate for seven days from the point that the symptoms started. Worcestershire County Council launched a community action initiative called Here to Help to encourage residents to work with them to support communities during the pandemic. The police are also prepared. Head of Local Policing Chief Superintendent Tom Harding said Police play an important role in coordinating the work of relevant agencies during major incidents. During the flooding we experienced last month, I witnessed firsthand how well partners and the community can come together to look after each other, and I'm confident we will see the same as we navigate our way through the next few months. As a police service, we have tried and tested plans in place to ensure we continue to provide critical services in times of increased demand, or if we're experiencing staffing capacity issues. We may need to modify some of our services or find alternative ways of working. However, I can offer my assurances there will always be police officers on duty day and night. We will continue to work 24-7, 365 
and we will continue to make sure we put our resources where they are needed to ensure we respond to emergency calls. My plea is that over the next few months, we all look after and support each other, family, friends and neighbours. Following last month's flooding, I've heard many inspiring stories of how communities came together to support each other, and I'm sure that whatever impact COVID-19 has over the coming months, we will all pull together as a community and help look after each other in a similar way. That's the last of the headline stories, but I'm afraid there will be more to come on this uh, situation. So, with more of the day-to-day news, is Jim. Thank you. Work to improve a vital motorway junction near Worcester is still ongoing despite promises it will be finished two months ago. Highways England promised the work would be completed in January, but there are still lane closures planned for the coming weeks. The work at Junction 6 started in April 2018 and was initially scheduled to be finished in winter 2018-19. But the completion date was then put back to autumn 2019 and then again pushed back with February 2020 now as the target. Engineers carrying out the work were forced to delay it after unsuitable ground conditions which included flooding underneath the road requiring extra work. The work on M5 Junction 6 is designed to improve the capacity and access to the motorway and the surrounding areas such as Warnden. The roadworks have caused significant traffic delays. This week we'll see narrow lanes in place on the roundabout and all approaches in addition to nighttime off-peak, 8pm to 6am, full closures and lane closures. Highways England said they completed the majority of the work and removed roadworks on the roundabout before Christmas. The recent bad weather meant highways teams could not get the work done to the original plan, but they are hoping that the road will be ready for Easter. Highways England senior project manager Zbigniew Tarowski said, We have had horrendous weather conditions in recent weeks, including significant rainfall which has meant we've not been able to get as much of the work done overnight as we had planned. However, our teams are working really hard and we're on course to complete all the work in time for the Easter getaway. We'd like to thank motorists for their patience while this scheme comes to an end. The Citizen Advice Bureau is stopping its drop-in due to concerns for clients over the coronavirus. The office in the hot market has made the decision to close its front door until further notice, but will still be operating a telephone service for people seeking advice on a variety of issues ranging from employment and benefits to housing and legal issues. Clients can get initial advice by calling Advice Line on 03444 or by sending a text message to go on a ringback list, said advice, advice Service Manager Sonia Gregory. We have done our best to keep the advice service running as usual up to this point, but safety for clients and advisers has to be our first priority, she said. Face-to-face general and specialist appointments already booked will still be honoured, subject to availability of advisers. 
There will not be a receptionist on duty in the hot market. Clients who have pre-booked appointments can get access by using the intercom. Appointments will still be available, but from March the 31st onwards, they will be restricted to two per day for emergency circumstances. Citizens Advice Services are available from the following. Call Worcestershire Advice Line, telephone 03444111303. Text on 0786 007 Seven three one one stating your name, your postcode, and the type of advice you need, for example, debt, housing, or benefits. You will be called back on your mobile phone. Online advice at cityworcester.org.uk. And that is advice at city, C-I-T-A, worcester.org.uk for initial contact by email. You will also get information and advice from the national website, https, double slash, www.citizensadvice.org.uk. Appointments subject to staff and volunteer availability will still be offered for urgent advice cases and where access to specialist services is required, for example, universal credit help to claim, smart move, debt advice, casework and welfare benefits appeals casework. Uh, here's some good news. Concessionary bus pass holders in Worcestershire will now be able to travel for free on all public bus services before 9.30am. Worcestershire County Council has announced the free travel in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Councillor Alan Amos said this initiative will help those residents who rely on public transport to access essential services during the coronavirus pandemic. We appreciate that the current situation is difficult for many residents and hope that this temporary measure will provide greater flexibility at this time. Attractive Victorian railway arches will be made into studios and offices for creative businesses. Worcester City Council has approved a planning application to give the go-ahead for the redesign and refurbishment of five of Worcester's arches in a step forward for the vision to create a new cultural quarter in the city. The £4.5 million project, which also includes four festivals this year and support for a new start-up creative businesses known as the Arches Worcester, is being carried out through a partnership between the University of Worcester Worcester City Council, Seven Arts, The Arch Company and Worcestershire County Council. David Broster, the university's head of the School of Arts, said, We are delighted that the scheme has been given the go-ahead by city planners and we can now start working towards making this all come together and creating something really special for the city and our arts community. Works on the arches, located between Fourgate Street and The Hive, 
is scheduled to start late summer of 2020. It is anticipated that works will be complete in early 2021. This is one element of a wider master plan for the area, which when completed will see a new foot and cycle path created, which links Fourgate Station to the River Severn following the line of arches. Earlier this year, the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport awarded £3 million from the Cultural Development Fund, which is administered by Arts Council England, to the project. A man has said that Tesco needs to enforce further restrictions to prevent selfish panic buying. Mike Kent said he is appalled by the behaviour of customers at Tesco in St Peter's who have been depriving others of necessary everyday items during the coronavirus outbreak. Mr Kent, aged 69, said he finds it unacceptable that the store management appear to be doing little to combat the situation other than place a few notices around the store asking for restraint which has caused the store to be low in stock. He said we are told there are no shortages and that supply lines are intact. The elderly cannot be allowed to continue to live without items such as toilet rolls. They must do something now. However, a Tesco spokesman said the store will be introducing a limit of three items to its customers. The spokesman said to help our customers get the things they need at this time, we are introducing a purchase limit of three items on all our products. Our stock levels are good and we have daily deliveries to replenish our stores. We would ask our customers to please shop as they normally would to help maintain good availability for everyone. Mr Kent added, The staff are the front line of the store. I would suggest extra security to be enforced to restrict all shoppers to a maximum of two like items. This could be paid for out of the massively increased revenue that they must be currently experiencing. We might have to go back to rationing to control the issue. There is no need to panic buy. People are taking the mickey now. It's selfish. Mr Kent has suggested every supermarket should open for a designated time just for senior citizens before the rest of the public do their shopping. He said it would be a step in the right direction. No one has been in this situation before and we don't know what's going to happen. The elderly are the most vulnerable group at the moment so I think we should do more to help them. Uh, Worcester Live has suspended performances at its city venues in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. A statement from the Worcester Live team said it had regretfully closed its doors at the Swan Theatre, Henry Sandon Hall and Huntington Hall. The statement said... Following the government's advice, we have suspended all activities at our venues until further notice. The box office will make contact with all of those who have booked tickets event by event in due course as we work to reschedule performances. As we are a charity, we are asking you to consider supporting our venue through what may through what may be a financially critical time by donating your ticket money or taking a credit for the value of your ticket rather than a refund. This will support the venue through this very challenging time, which will in turn enable us to open our doors once this testing time is passed. Thank you for your support and understanding. Following the coronavirus outbreak in Worcestershire, a number of events have been cancelled. Here are some of the cancellations that we are aware of so far. 
The following three county showground events have been cancelled. Country Tastic on April the 9th, RHS Malvern Spring Festival, May 7th to 10th, Three Counties Championship Dog Show, June the 4th to 7th, and the Royal Three Counties Show on June the 12th to the 14th. Diana Walton, Head of Shows at Three Counties Showground, said, We know these events are a calendar highlight for many thousands of people and that our exhibitors, designers and traders spend many months getting ready for the show, but public health and safety has to be our number one priority for the sake of our staff, visitors and for our wider community. The cancellation of our shows will have a big impact on our staff and wider community in many ways. With this in mind and with the uncertainty facing us in the months ahead, it's more important than ever that we pull together to support the most vulnerable amongst us. We will be in contact with everyone who has purchased tickets to the four cancelled events, along with all our stakeholders within the next 21 days. The meetings for our rheumatoid arthritis group have been cancelled until further notice due to the COVID-19 risk. Talks for the Worcester NRAS group have been cancelled. Members can see updates on the Worcester NRAS group Facebook page. A dance show has been cancelled at the Swan Theatre. Happy Steps had organised a show, The Stage Door, which has been cancelled due to the closure of the theatre in Worcester. The group posted the following on Facebook. It is heartbreaking, not only for the children involved, but also for us teachers and everyone who helps organise it. We have squeezed dates in for later in the year, so we have also have something to look forward to after all this madness. Readers have welcomed the news that a ban on pavement parking could be rolled out across England. The Department for Transport has announced the government will soon decide whether to give local authorities more power to tackle problem parking. Currently, fines for parking on the pavement are only mandatory in London. The people of Worcester welcomed bringing the fines to the city. Joe Pullen said, I'm sick to death of having to walk on the road with a double buggy and my four-year-old. Lisa McBride said, It will be a good thing. It is really difficult to get past cars parked on pavements while safely guiding my husband, who is blind. Rachel Ann said, Yes, I'm sick of it. Selfish parents parking on the paths outside Callowend Primary School forces parents and their children to walk on the road. Sandy Workman said, It's not safe when parking on the pavement for pushchairs and the elder folk. I can't understand why folk with large drives do it. Annie Dunbar said, Cars park on the path even in the week when there is a single yellow line. Really hope the law is passed as a lot of people in motorised scooters and mums with pushchairs have to go in the road. Harvey Dave said, It's impossible to get by some of these selfish pavement parkers in a wheelchair. I will look forward to photographing and reporting them. It's a £70 fine in London. I hope that will now apply to the rest of the country as well. John Turner said, in my opinion, pavement parking should be banned and cars should only be allowed to park in the direction of travel, like in some other countries. This country is looking like a scrapyard with cars parked anywhere and at all angles. Jack Cousins, Head of Roads Policy for the AA, said, We absolutely agree that people who park in an antisocial way should be penalised. Many drivers in narrow streets are tempted to partially park on the pavement so that emergency services and refuse trucks can pass.
An outright ban could lead to unintended consequences with parking chaos becoming more widespread. A better solution would be for councils to make a street-by-street assessment and where pavement parking could be allowed, it be clearly marked and signed. And now we'll have just a roundup of sports items. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, football um, between King's School and the Royal Grammar School. Um, the King's School retained the Football Challenge Cup trophy after a 2-0 win over local rivals Royal Grammar School Worcester. First half goals from Alex Lowe and James Unwin saw Kings earn local bragging rights as more than a 1,000 supporters turned out at Six Ways Stadium to witness the traditional fixture. They got off to a flying start in the game, now in its fourth consecutive year, with a dominant first-half display leading to two goals in wet, chilly conditions. The first came from a pinpoint cross and was finished off by sixth-form student Lowe. Lowe was then directly involved in the second, in the 38th minute, as he drew a penalty which was expertly finished by Unwin, allowing the team to finish the half in style. RGS pushed in the second period to get back into the game, but despite battling hard in the wet conditions, Kings held on for an impressive victory that sparked jubilant scenes on the pitch at full time, with Captain Jack Baker collecting the trophy. John Sarigui, head of football at Kings, said, After two years of achieving draws against RGS, our team was determined to win. They have had a strong start to 2020 following training with Inter Milan coaches over Christmas and have been undefeated in some tightly contested matches this year. All credit to them, their commitment as a team has been incredible and they deserve the result. Director of Sport Johnny Mason said... The team performed fantastically, showing great composure and control in what is generally a high-pressured environment. Even with the hardship of the flooding which has hit Worcester and Kings, we have continued to provide ongoing games, provisions by fulfilling fixtures and lessons by using our flexible facilities across the whole foundation. Kieran McGee, Ewan Evans, Finlay Chance, Jimmy Poole, William Caddick, Dylan Briggs, Luke Copeland, Oliver Tiskey, Benji Halford, Jack Cope, Matt Lewis, Ben Amos, Alex Lloyd and William Chapman also made up the King's side. The Rugby Football Union decided to suspend rugby at all levels until April the 14th, at the earliest, after the government's update on the coronavirus outbreak. Worcester Warriors will be out of action until at least April the 24th, after Premiership Rugby put the current league campaign on hold. Warriors released a statement following the announcement. It read, Warriors can confirm that all matches under the auspices of Premiership Rugby will be postponed with immediate effect for five weeks until Monday, April 20th. The home fixtures affected are the Gallagher Premiership matches against Gloucester, and Harlequins and Cavaliers Premiership Rugby Shield match against Gloucester. The RFU have also suspended all rugby activity until April the 14th, which means that the Warriors Women's Home Tyrrells Premier 15s match against Gloucester, Hartbury, Darlington, Moden Park and Loughborough Lightning will also be postponed. This follows the recommendation by the UK Government 
that social gatherings of people should be avoided in an attempt to restrict the spread of coronavirus, coronavirus COVID-19. We appreciate that this will cause some inconvenience, but the safety and well-being of all visitors to Six Ways, our staff and players, and the wider community is of paramount importance. As well as the professional game, the RFU went a step further and pulled the plug on all rugby from championship down to grassroots level, meaning matches and all related rugby activities will not be played in this country until mid-April at the earliest. An RFU statement read, Rugby activities include club training, league and cup matches, plus rugby education courses from March the 17th until April the 14th, subject to continued review. The decision has been taken following government advice in the interest of players, coaches, referees, volunteers, supporters and the wider rugby union community. Where possible, players at all levels are encouraged to maintain their own personal fitness and keep active during this time, while following government guidelines about safe distance and safe exercise environments. The RFU will continue to review and monitor government advice and will provide detailed updates on the impact to the season in the coming weeks. Warriors are next scheduled to play Bristol Bears at home on Friday, April the 24th in what will be their first match back from the suspension. But there remain fears as to whether the season will be concluded at all. The last remaining football leagues still playing got brought to a halt on Monday as the Football Association suspended play for the foreseeable future. It came hours after Midland Football League officials had vowed to press on with midweek fixtures with three matches set to take place within an hour of the FA's intervention. The games went ahead with the MFL then suspending play from midnight, making Solihull United 4-3 win over Earlswood Town in Division 2, Inkborough's 3-1 win at Castlevale Town in Division 3 and Lichfield City's 1-0 success against Division 1 rivals Atherston Town in the JW Hunt Cup among the last to go ahead in England. Worcester City's Premier Division trip to Gresley, set to take place on Tuesday, had already been called off due to five players suffering flu-like symptoms something that caused Saturday's match at Racing Club Warwick to be postponed. The FA's release read, Following the government's announcement for people to avoid social contact and gatherings where possible, we are now advising that all grassroots football in England is postponed for the foreseeable future. We have also decided to postpone all matches across all FA competitions, including those outside of the professional game, until April the 3rd. <coughs> We are committed to trying to compete all competition fixtures and will be liaising with relevant parties to establish appropriate options to do so. Throughout this period, we have taken government advice, with the priority being the health and well-being of all. We will continue to work closely with the grassroots game during this time. We are in regular communication with the government and the situation within English football at all levels remains under regular review Further updates will follow as needed. The MFL then announced, following the Prime Minister's announcement, the board of the Midland Football League has taken the decision to suspend all fixtures from midnight 
Monday into Tuesday, until further notice. We have a duty of care to all players, staff and supporters of all our clubs, together with match officials and volunteers. This, together with the announcement of the Football Association, left the board with no alternative. We shall continue to monitor the situation over the coming days and weeks and await further FA instructions regarding the rest of the 2019-20 season. As and when we receive any further information from the FA, rest assured we will be in contact with all clubs. What happens with the remaining fixtures and standings remains to be seen. Tributes have poured in for Worcester man James Dean, who died after a cardiac arrest in Lowesmoor. Police are investigating the 34-year-old's death after he was found in cardiac arrest by members of the public at, at around 8am on Saturday, March the 14th. James's family have been informed of his death. A friend of James, Carl Faulkner, posted this on his Facebook page. Quotes, James Dean, I have no words. I am still in shock. We kicked AWS in our early 20s, and to be thinking in your 30s you've been taken away. My head is shot. Rest in peace, my friend. You will never be forgotten. Always in the memories I'll forever have. End of quote. Officers were called to a property on Lowesmoor after James was discovered in a communal hallway. Despite the best efforts of the emergency services, sadly James was pronounced dead at the scene. Sarah Louise went to Bishop Perone with James and she said, James was a lovely lad, always smiling and quite popular, always had friends round him, whether at school or out, and about hanging with friends. He will be truly missed but never forgotten. His death is being treated as unexplained at this time and an investigation has been launched with a post-mortem to be conducted. Police cordoned off the flat and a nearby bus stop after James was found in cardiac arrest. Before police and paramedics arrived, mechanic Dan Humphreys spent around 20 to 25 minutes giving James CPR when he found him unresponsive in the hallway. The 32-year-old dad said the event had been a shock. I can't stop picturing his face. I wish I could have helped him. Police are appealing for anyone with information on James's death to come forward. Detective Inspector Tony Garner said, We're looking into James' death and working into establishing exactly what has happened, as there is no obvious explanation as to how he has sadly lost his life. A number of city restaurants, pubs and shops have started offering delivery and collection services in response to restrictive measures introduced to tackle the spread of the coronavirus. Government advice restricting non-essential travel and contact with others will undoubtedly see Worcester's bars and cafes, as well as restaurants and shops, suffer from the drop in footfall. Many businesses have started offering call and collect service, free delivery, takeaway menus and some will carry food to your car boot to avoid contact in a bid to carry on through the coronavirus crisis. Pubs such as the King's Head in Sidbury now have a takeaway menu. The Anchor Inn in Diglis is offering a call and collect menu. The Alma Tavern in Droitwich Road is also offering a call and collect service and Bar 23 in New Street is offering to deliver food. The Blue Bell in Callow End 
has also started offering a delivery service for food. Han Bao in Fourgate Street and Anatolian Palace in Chapel Walk are offering a collection service and the Olive Branch in Church Street is offering free delivery as well as a collection service. Burger Shop in Cherry Tree Walk will be delivering food via Deliveroo and the Swan Inn in Whittington is also offering a call and collect service. Hop Lords in Pump Street will deliver its selection of beers. Triple IB in Copenhagen Street is offering discount on some of its beers when collected. And Arch Rivals in Infirmary Walk is offering free delivery. Mr Sims Oldie Sweet Shop in Worcester's High Street has made parcels for collection which can also be posted. Butchers M&M Meats in St Swithin Street and H. Deus Family Butchers in St John's are both offering delivery for those in self-isolation. Fred's of Worcester in the Tithing has a takeaway and delivery service. Wayland's Yard in Fourgate Street is also offering a takeaway menu and Clock Watchers in Mealcheapen Street is running a call and collect service as is Fuego Pizza in Fourgate Street. Councillor Adrian Gregson, Deputy Leader of Worcester City Council, said he welcomed businesses using deliveries and collections as a way of boosting trade during the crisis, but only the advice on avoiding contact where possible was adhered to. As long as these businesses are following the rules, then I do not have a problem with it, and indeed, I would welcome it, he said. A mobile phone retailer has announced it will close all of its standalone stores. Carphone Warehouse has stores in the High Street and one in the Malvern Retail Park in Malvern, which will close next month along with 529 across the UK, according to its parent company, Dixon's Carphone. Both stores were con contacted, but no one was available for comment. Nearly 3,000 jobs are expected to be lost. Alex Baldock, Group Chief Executive, said... Customers are changing how they buy technology and Dixon's car phone must change with them. I don't underestimate how upsetting this news will be for our colleagues and we will treat everyone with honesty, respect and care. The company said it wants to retain staff and expects to find new jobs for around 40%. Mr Baldock added, This is by far the toughest decision we've had to make. It is necessary. We must follow our customers. They want help with all technology, all in one place, and this trend is only getting to accelerate in a more connected 5G world. Customers are increasingly heading not just to our large and growing online business, but into our big stores where they can find all the experts in tech, mobiles, computers, TVs, smart tech appliances, gaming and all the rest they need. But they can't find all this in the small mobile-only stores that are one-twentieth of the size. They're visiting these less and these stores are losing more money as a result. The firm says this move is to return its mobile side of the business back to profitability and this year the company expects to make a £90 million loss. These standalone stores, which represent 8% of Dixon's Carphone's total UK selling space, are set to close on April the 3rd. A woman has celebrated her 90th birthday with her friends from a charity which combats loneliness. Vinnie Day, 
has marked the milestone on March the 11th with her friends from the Make Time Friendship Group. Mrs Day joined the friendship group after her husband Donald died in 2012. Her daughter, Diane Taylor, who organised the surprise birthday party with her sister, Alison Barrett, said, I don't know what she would have done without the group. They are so good there and treat everyone as special. It's the thing that keeps her going. She loves it. It's been a big part of her life since Dad passed away. Mrs Day enjoys the visiting speakers and the entertainers who come along to entertain the group at Charm and Close in Barbourne. She always takes part in the group's Skittles game at the Elmer Tavern in Droitwich Road and loves the sing-song. Founder of the charity, Jenny Manchester, said she normally puts us all to shame when it comes to singing along to the well-known classic songs. Mrs Manchester added, We enjoyed musical entertainment and plenty of food that Vinny's two daughters and son-in-law prepared for all to enjoy. It was a happy time for all of us to be celebrating with Vinnie her milestone birthday. Mrs Day has many hobbies, but her passion is poetry. She writes her own poems and as a child won a poetry competition. Each year at the group's Christmas lunch, she will recite one of her very own poems that she's written and sometimes she sings to the members somewhere over the rainbow. The party was celebrated with about 26 members, which included the Mayor of Worcester, Aladitta, and Mayoress Nassim Akhtar. The Social Club, which was founded in 2009, offers support for people who find it difficult to meet and socialise with others due to a lack of confidence and low self-esteem. The group meets each Wednesday in Sharman Close to take part in activities. These include day trips, educational guest speakers and meals out. It's £2 per session to attend, which includes tea or coffee and contributes to the funding of the activities provided. The group began with only two members, but has grown and now has 32 regular members. Worcester Cathedral is offering the chance to pick up a unique gift for mums this Mother's Day. The gift back gives the chance to adopt part of a stained glass window, wooden panels or stone carvings at the cathedral with the money going towards the upkeep and preservation of them. A spokesman said, Worcester Cathedral is rich in its depictions of mothers from beautiful stained glass to the ornate choir carvings and this year they are offering an opportunity to treat all mums to a very special Mother's Day gift. A historic Worcester street with many late 19th and early 20th century houses could become a formally designated conservation area. Park Avenue has been selected for conservation area status because it boasts good examples of Victorian and Edwardian architectural styles with many surviving details, including historic windows and doors plus decorative door and window surrounds. There are also traditional back lanes on each side of the Park Avenue and a large number of mature trees which extend along the road to make it distinctive as an avenue. Councillor Chris Mitchell, Chairman of the City Council Planning Committee, said Worcester has a rich and beautiful history and it's important that the Council uses its powers to pres- preserve the streets and roads which exude our city's special character. Conservation area status helps preserve the character and appearance of buildings and streets by managing the design of new developments and changes to the physical neighbourhood.
If approved by the committee, the conservation area will be centred on the tree-lined avenue of Park Avenue, but extended to the rear of the properties to include Park Lane, Victoria Lane, Bourne Street and Ivy Street. The proposed area would be bordered by properties on Ombersley Road, Victoria Street and Lavender Road. Unlike many conservation areas, Park Avenue would not include any listed buildings. A former much announcer at Worcester City says being in isolation feels like prison after testing positive for coronavirus. Roger Harris, also known as Captain Crazy, was admitted into the medical high care unit at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on March the 10th. The 75-year-old from Offmore says after being put in isolation, he was told he was the first confirmed person in Worcestershire to catch the virus. Mr Harris said, Last Tuesday I went to see my doctor in Kidderminster and he told me I had to go to hospital. I was taken to Worcestershire Hall and admitted into a ward called the Medical High Care. I've been in the isolation ward since then. They said I was the first person in the hospital to be confirmed. The staff here are very supportive and have been keeping my chin up. They say they are seeing a lot of improvement in me. I've had terrible coughing and a great feeling of tiredness. The coughing has been going on all of the time. It's like being in prison. The ex-DJ gave 25 years of his life to announcing at both Kidderminster Harriers and Worcester City before retiring in 2011 at the age of 66. Better known as Captain Crazy for his attire on match days, his unmistakable, if slightly eccentric style, kept fans informed and entertained over the public address system, season in and season out. A tech expert had a greeting with a difference when she went to receive her MBE. Nicola Wilding exchanged an Amaste greeting with Prince Charles because of the coronavirus pandemic. She received the MBE from the Prince for her work with international trade and diversity. Mrs Whiting, 48, runs Titania Limited, a cyber security and penetration testing company based at Security House in Barbourne Road, with her husband Ian, 45. However, this year Buckingham Palace dispensed with traditional handshakes during the ceremony and instead used an amastic greeting. Mrs Whiting said, It was an amazing day. I loved it. Prince Charles and I used an amastic greeting for hygiene so we didn't touch because of the coronavirus. The day went by in a blur. I can't remember much of it, but I can remember Prince Charles being well informed on cyber security. The day was run so well and we were all briefed on every aspect of what was going to happen. The company came from humble beginnings but it has made a name on the international market with customers including the UK government, FBI, PayPal, Deloitte and the US military. The company also works with the government's Department for Industry and Trade and Mrs Whiting is on the advisory board of Better Den and Worcester LEP. Mrs Whiting added... Seeing everyone collect their awards on the day made me want to do more. I found them all incredibly inspiring. I don't see this award being the end of a journey, but a point in a longer one. Representatives of Titania Limited have visited Buckingham Palace in 2017, where the company collected the Queen's Award for Enterprise and Innovation. The most excellent order of the British Empire 
is a British order of chivalry founded in 1917 by King George V. The community has continued to work together to support those who have self-isolated during the coronavirus outbreak in Worcestershire. Katie Bradley, who is a carer and works for Caremark Worcester, visits the elderly in their homes. Miss Bradley, aged 37, said, I believe people need stability and a friendly face in these kinds of circumstances. I've already had clients say to me they're worried what they will do or how they will manage if carers fall poorly and what will happen to them. Of course, that I can't be certain of, but I have reassured them that we will all endeavour to try our best. Miss Bradley added, I truly love my job and the people I meet every day. It's not about the money, it's about providing continued support at home and in the community for the most vulnerable in society. It's important to me to keep a sense of normality and keep going to work and keep busy regardless. I'm not about to bunker down just yet, as I'm well and healthy, so we'll continue to go to work as a mum and carer. I'm worried for my children and family, obviously, but we're all taking steps to keep clean and continue washing hands and using hand sanitizer and minimise going out unnecessarily. Melanie Eastwood has offered a helping hand to her neighbours in Ronxwood as of March the 16th and has offered to do their shopping. She has been handing out notes through neighbours' doors with her contact details for the elderly, vulnerable and single mums in the area who are self-isolating. Mrs Eastwood, aged 34, said, Not everyone is as fortunate as we are and have been able to get things. We all need to be a little kinder and help out where we can. She has also handed out her contact details at Ronxwood Co-op, Ronxwood Community Centre and the Pharmacy. And Mrs Eastwood has so far helped 15 of those in need. A burglar with a drug habit has been jailed for three raids, including a break-in at a Worcester church and the theft of charity boxes. Nicholas Dutfield raided Freedom Church in Lowesmore when he used a tool to break in through the fire doors. The church burglary happened just over a month after a judge gave him a chance by imposing a community order for two other city burglaries. The 49-year-old of Droitwich Road admitted burglary at the church on November the 23rd last year when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court. Dutfield broke into the safe, which will cost £370 to replace, and made off with an iPod touch worth £159, an iPad worth £289 and £96 in cash. Thomas Griffiths, prosecuting, said Dutfield was forensically linked to the church burglary. He was arrested on December the 15th last year and interviewed, refusing to answer any questions or to leave his cell. The defendant has 37 convictions for 163 offences dating back to 1984. Of those 163 offences, 124 are matters of dishonesty, the majority of those being non-dwelling burglaries or thefts. The court heard how Dutfield had been handed a community order on October the 21st last year for two burglaries, one at Waterhoot Craft Shop and the other at the Vision Factory. Dutfield accepted he had failed without reasonable excuse to comply with the requirements of that community order after he did not report to probation as instructed or provide evidence to cover his absence within five working days.
He admitted a break-in at Waterhoot Craft Shop on August the 27th last year when he was challenged by the owner but ran away from the premises. In total, £40 of employee tips were stolen. The defendant left blood on the window of the property and that was forensically linked to the defendant, said Mr Griffiths. Dutfield admitted a further burglary at the Vision Factory Opticians on September the 12th last year, during which cameras were pulled off walls and left on the floor. Dutfield stole charity boxes, a MacBook Pro, an iPad and Ray-Ban sunglasses worth £2,520. He also caused £100 of damage. When interviewed about the burglary, Dutfield again answered no comment to questions. Mr Griffiths said Dutfield had failed to attend unpaid work appointments on numerous occasions and continues to re-offend. He had only completed 36 hours of the 150 he was supposed to complete since October last year when the community order was imposed. Lee Egan, defending, said there was no soiling, ransacking or vandalism during any of the burglaries. Having viewed his antecedent history, Your Honour, won't be surprised to learn that he has serious drug problems. His life has been blighted by that addiction, and he's frankly worn down by it, said Mr Egan. Mr Egan described his client as a father of three and grandfather of two. He told the court what Dutfield would most like would be to get a job and be able to remain free of his addiction. He accepted that the burglary of a church was clearly distasteful, which would have an obvious impact on the community. However, he asked that Dutfield be given full credit for his early guilty pleas. Recorder Richard Atkins QC told Dutfield, You have a terrible record. Speaking of the community order imposed last October, he said... I have no doubt that the judge, in passing sentence, gave you credit and gave you a chance. Recorder Atkins sentenced Dutfield to two years and two months in prison. The defendant was said to be in no financial position to pay compensation. Concerns have been expressed that if plans to build 600 homes at a site in Droitwich go ahead, a priceless piece of history could be lost forever. Land to the north and south of Union Lane, including the former Baxenton Chemical Site, had been earmarked in the South Worcestershire Development Plan review for 600 homes. However, there is a story known locally of a Roman mosaic floor, supposedly under the floor of the old factory, which closed its doors in 2013. According to the story... Workmen discovered the mosaic while carrying out work to install new machinery at the facility, though it was covered up, supposedly because reporting the discovery would mean having to stop the work and take a hit to production. Droitwich resident Dave Davidson said there was a historical significance to the site and it should be protected. He said, I'd heard rumours about this before, but thought I would find out as much as possible now that development is going to happen. My granny, Lillian Machin, was involved in charity work and her diaries record that she used to visit at least one poor old lady who was living at the Union. That was the Union workhouse formerly at this site in Union Lane. So apart from the importance of protecting this important piece of local history, I have a personal interest in it. 
It is a Victorian workhouse floor that my grandmother may have walked on, or from a medieval priory building, or part of an ancient Roman villa. Fred Davis, policy manager for Witchhaven District Council, said they are aware of the claim and that a detailed survey of the site would be undertaken. He said all sites received to the planned preparation stage and then subsequently included in the 2019 South Worcestershire Development Plan Review preferred options have been assessed by planning officers and specialists, e.g. archaeologists, landscape officers and highways officers. Should any significant finds be discovered, consideration will be given to safeguarding them in situ. The presence of any archaeological remains would not normally prevent the site being redeveloped in terms of national planning policy. Furthermore, the inclusion of this mixed-use allocation in the SWDPR will be considered by an independent inspector at a public examination in 2021. This will follow the final round of consultation on the draft SWDPR in the autumn of 2020. A thief who owes more than £5,000 in court fines would have to pay some more after he admitted begging and stealing a bike. 32-year-old Daniel Cox admitted stealing a bike from Droitwich Station as well as begging illegally in Worcester. Prosecutor Ralph Robbins Landcrum told Worcester Magistrates Court the theft happened at Droitwich train station last year. The victim had left their bike at the station with two bike locks. They returned on July 20th last year to find it was missing. Following police inquiries, police identified Cox and an accomplice walk up to the bike and remove the locks with bolt cutters. Cox of All Saints Road was then seen on February 11th this year begging in Milchepen Street by PCSO Youngs, who saw him sat with a hat on the floor in front of him begging for change. Mr Landricombe continued, He was told to leave the area and stop begging. The officer then returned later that day to find he had returned to the same position and continued to beg. Eventually, Cox, who has 36 previous convictions, was arrested and charged with the offences. Cox was previously in the Worcester News in October last year when he and another person stole a leaf blower from Worcester Cathedral. The court heard how Cox has two fine accounts in his name, one with 356 outstanding and another with £4,997.99 outstanding. The court's legal adviser said, most of this comes from compensating, compensation owed to shops he has stolen from in recent years. Jane Laverick, chairman of the magistrates, ordered Cox to pay £350 in compensation to the person whose bike he stole, as well as giving him six-month conditional discharge. He was also ordered to pay a £21 victim surcharge, but no costs were awarded due to his financial situation. A decision on whether to allow a new care home to be built on the last remaining bit of the city's old park and ride site has been delayed. A plan for a 74-bed care home on the remaining part of the old park and ride site in John Common Drive off Droitwich Road was submitted to Worcester City Council with a decision expected to be made at a meeting of the Council's planning committee on March the 19th which has now been cancelled because of the virus crisis. 
Several other city council meetings have been cancelled in a bid to prevent the spread of the virus and protect councillors, staff and the public. The report by the city council's planning officers, which was due to be discussed by councillors, had recommended the plan was approved. Worcester City Council formally put the land up for sale in March last year, after it was deemed surplus to requirements. The new care home would have been one of the latest in a long list of potential developments in and around Droitwich Road, including a new Lidl supermarket, an expanded 785-plot Muslim cemetery, a new state-of-the-art hockey centre, as well as the North Worcester Primary Academy, which opened last September. A controversial plan for a new McDonald's drive through was withdrawn at the end of last year. A plan to build a multi-million pound state-of-the-art hockey centre on land off Droitwich Road was given the green light in February. The planning application by Prime and Sanders Senior Living said residents would not own cars and staff would be encouraged to use public transport. Shift patterns would spread traffic from the care home across the day, it said. A local city councillor had raised concerns over the building of a new care home, saying it would make an already difficult congestion problem much worse. Councillor Mel Alcott, who represents Claines, said it was a refreshing change to see developments on Brownfield rather than plaguing green space. She said the county needed to be visionary and work towards a car-free city to combat traffic in the often congested Droitwich Road and the rest of the city. Traffic remains a concern, in particular without a park-and-ride service, she said. A decision on whether to build a new Lidl supermarket also in Droitwich Road was hit by the delay because of the cancelled planning meeting. A plan to build a new supermarket in the city was set to be approved this week but has been now, now hit with a delay because of the coronavirus. Budget supermarket Lidl plans to open a new store at the JVM casting site off Troitwich Road and the decision was expected to be made by Worcester City Council's planning committee uh, on Thursday, March the 19th but the meeting has now been called off. The City Council has made the decision to cancel all of its meetings for the next two weeks, so it does its bit to stop the spread of the virus. The Council's planning officers had recommended Lidl's plan should be approved, but the cancellation of the meeting will mean the decision is not made until the committee next meets, which at the moment is most likely to be in April. If approved, the latest plan in Droitwich Road would be the City's third Lidl supermarket. The plans for another supermarket were formally put forward by Ashfield Land and JVM Castings in November of last year. As part of the plans, the casting specialists would demolish a small, underused part of the factory and move its staff car park to the side to make way for the new supermarket. A 112-space car park, including six disabled bays and eight parent and child spaces, would also be built. A total of 40 full and part-time jobs would be created according to plans. The new Lidl supermarket could be one of several major plans due to be built in the area in the next couple of years. A new multi-million pound state-of-the-art hockey centre 
is set to be built on land off Droitwich Road opposite Worcester Garden Centre. A plan for a new care home in the old city park and ride site will also be decided by councillors in the next few months. A decision on whether to grant retrospective permission for a small part of Worcester Muslim Cemetery in John Common Drive off Droitwich Road is still to be made. If the permission is granted, it would then pave the way for a huge 785 plot three-part expansion including a new pavilion and a peace garden as well as a new building at its entrance. The plan has been hit with a lengthy delay because of the pollution concerns raised by the Environment Agency. A man has made himself homeless after refusing to pay £900 a month on rent at Worcester YMCA. Jordan Corns, age 20, is now living in his car. He was staying at the charity hostel so he could get back on his feet after being made homeless after losing his job. However, after starting his new job as an apprentice mechanic in Blackpool Recycling Limited, he said he was forced to pay 40% of his earnings on renting a room per month. Mr Corns moved to the YMCA with his girlfriend, who is 19 weeks pregnant. She is still there. He said, I have made myself homeless because I refuse to pay so much money on just a room. The place is disgusting. The money they will be taking away from me was for my baby. He claims he found dead rats in the cupboards, the cooker and the washing machine didn't work and there were drugs in the property and the cleaning is not maintained. But a spokesman for YMCA Worcester said the accommodation is kept clean daily. Staff ensure appliances are working correctly and there have been no reports of rats inside the property. Mr Corns added, I feel let down. The reason I wanted to go there was to build myself up, but now we have a baby on the way, so I need a job. I am homeless again and back to square one. The YMCA spokesman said, We have two supported accommodation schemes within the city since leaving Henwick Road in December 2019, we are always encouraging young people to find employment and regularly offer employment support to residents that live with us. However, when securing employment, their rent is likely to increase based on benefit settlement entitlement. We also offer accommodation especially designed for young people in employment that offers a more affordable rent. We believe in providing safe, secure accommodation for young people in Worcester and feedback from our young people is important to ensure we continually improve what we do. And our final cancellation is at the City Cathedral. Services have been cancelled at churches across Worcestershire amid concerns around coronavirus. The Dean of Worcester, the very Reverend Peter Atkinson, confirmed all public services have been suspended at Worcester Cathedral. He said, following the Church of England's decision to suspend all public worship until further notice, there will be no public services in Worcester Cathedral as from Wednesday the 18th of March. However, the Dean and Chapter will maintain the age-old round of morning and evening prayer but at times when the cathedral is closed to the public. We will also be making video recordings of worship from Worcester Cathedral available on Facebook and the cathedral website. The cathedral will open to the public at 9am every morning and close at 5pm every evening. 
Between those hours, the cathedral will continue to fulfil its ancient function of providing peace and sanctuary for all who come here. Resources for prayer will be available to visitors with opportunities to light candles. At the same time, the chapter will be mindful of the large number of worshippers and volunteers who will not be able to make the journey to to the cathedral for a while. We will be encouraging people to stay in touch with friends and neighbours by phone and email. There is more than one way of being a Christian community and, like other cathedrals and churches across the country, we shall be learning how to be a more dispersed but still lively and loving community. The city's Roman Catholic churches, including St George's in Sunson Place, Our Lady Queen of Peace in St John's, and St Joseph's in Warnden are all following official advice from the bishops of England and Wales, meaning distribution of Holy Communion is suspended. Also suspended are kissing relics and physical contact while making the sign of the peace. Holy water stoops are also ordered to be removed. Wood Green Church in Warnden said elders are discussing options and will update churchgoers. In a Facebook post, the church said to, the, to all the Wood Green Church family, the church elders met on March the 17th to discuss the latest guidelines from the government and would promulgate their decisions on actually March the 18th. Please pray for wisdom as we meet. Wood Green has also decided to suspend its parent and toddler and Friday night kids and youth groups. So, I'm afraid a lot of news about this virus, for which I really make no apology, because that really is the bulk of the uh, news in the last week's papers. Um, I did actually omit a very important announcement, and that was our AGM, which is supposed to take place this coming Saturday, which, uh, like everything else, we've had to cancel Um, We hope we can rearrange it later in the year, but please note AGM this Saturday now cancelled. So time is rapidly running out. It remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to thank Duncan Wynne, Jim Norris and Sally Rowe for being very brave and sharing uh, the recording this week. And uh, we sign off and hope you all have a good week. Stay safe. Take the advice. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, the following deaths have been announced in the past week. David Allen passed away March the 1st. Funeral service at St Michael's Church, Dines Green, Monday the 23rd of March at 1.15pm, followed by burial at St John's Cemetery. Donations to RSPCA, care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 748811. Jennifer Peggy Foster, known as Jen, passed away on February 23rd. Uh, funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, March 23rd at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, for Diabetes UK may be left in the collection box or sent directly to the charity. Inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care a Worcester number, double two one three seven. 
Michael Edward Smith, known as Mick, passed away February 25th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday, March 23rd at 12.15pm. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be left there or sent to EJ Gumray and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Anthony Collins, known as Tony, passed away February 25th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, March 24th at 2.30pm. Please wear a touch of blue. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR1 1UW. Brian Arthur Griffiths, XBT Engineer, passed away February 28th. Funeral service at St Clement's Church, Thursday, March 26th at 12 noon, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Donations to Midland Air Ambulance can be sent to uh, Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT, Worcester telephone number 748811. Margaret Jean Davis passed away February the 7th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, March 27th at 1.45pm. Uh, donations for Dementia UK can be sent to AV Band details as before. David Pochin passed away March the 6th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Friday, March 27th at 3.15pm. Donations for the Stroke Association can be left in the collection box or sent to Cooperative Funeral Care details as before. Uh, and Anthony Deakin, Anthony Deakin, known as Tony, passed away March 3rd. Funeral service at St Stephen's Church on Friday, March 27th at 1.15pm, followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Donations, if desired, for Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust can be left on the plate or sent to each A. Gummery and Son. Details as before. Our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. And we finish with the thought for the day, which is taken from St John's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 12 to 14. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Cepheus, the high priest that year. Cepheus was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Mm. 